Okay, let's uh, let's begin our uh, second installment of the uh, of the parsha shir. We have the uh, again the exclusive learning together a few thoughts related to parsha Vayera. Again, if anybody uh, wants more food for thought after this year, you can listen online to the Akedah shir that we gave uh, a few weeks ago. It's uh, it's on the uh, it's on the Rasha website also. No, on the whyutorah.org. It's on the uh, with the parsha shir are, are being put out now. So there's a whole shir on the Akedah. Anybody wants uh, more to say about uh, Vayera or save up for next year, Rosh Hashanah? Um, okay, first thought we're going to have, go from from week to week. We had a Rav Zevin last week. Uh, I opened up Rav Zevin again and can't lose. The first one on on, uh, on the sheet we have is again from Rav Zevin uh, in his creative, unique style. B'Seudas HaMalachim mit Matchila Parshazu U'Ba'akedas Yitzchak Mistayemes V'Sarashava Shabahem Meshutaf L'Shtehen HaRatzon Says of Zevin, think about the first and the last story in the on the parsha. The first story, Avram Avinu, the Malachim are coming. He's yearning for a mitzvah. Just as an aside, Ramosha Feinstein points out that it's interesting that Avram Avinu sitting at the door. He's in pain from the bris he had at the end of last week's parsha, and he's in pain. He's in more pain that get he doesn't have guests than the physical pain that that the bris put him into. So Ramosha Feinstein said, why was he so so in such pain that there were no guests coming? So there were no guests, so he wasn't in the situation of the mitzvah. It wasn't like there were guests and he couldn't do it because he was in pain. He wasn't in the situation of the mitzvah. There were no people there, so why was he in pain? The says of Moshe, Avram Avinu was the type of person which we have to emulate. It wasn't just that when there's a mitzvah that comes my way, I do it. He yearned to be in the situation of doing a mitzvah. That's what painted. He was upset that he couldn't do it. Ramosha says it's like on Tuesday, wishing that it was it's Shabbos. What do you mean? It's... He wasn't in the situation. No, says Reb Moshe. That's, that, that was the godless of Avram Avinu, that he yearned for guests even though there wasn't any situation. He wanted to do the mitzvah. He looked for ways to do to do the mitzvah. That's what Reb Moshe writes at the beginning of the parsha. Many examples of this in the uh, in the Gemara, the Hasidim Rishonim used to put themselves into situations to make sure they did a mitzvah. But we know the story. The uh, the Malachim appear. They appear as, as, as Arabs. Avram Avinu invites them in, does all the chesed for them. The Rambam says it was all a dream, but most Rishonim assume that it really, really occurred and they uh, really took place. So this is Zevin, if you think about it, what occurred in the story of the Malach? Let's read, line three. Just like davening without kavana is like just the physical action without a neshama. Skip a few lines where it's underlined. Kach kol mitzvah umaysa tov shahadam so to every act that we do, if we focus on the pnimiyut, on the inner desire to do the act, not doing it out of rote and out of habit, because we really want to do it, we put our heart into a mitzvah. We're not just doing it because we have to. But it's all about the inner desire that we have. The love and the desire. Zrizus umesirus. How 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 much uh, alacrity we we use to do the mitzvah and how much how much nefesh we have. This idea of focusing on the inner attributes of the act, not just doing the act, but how much we feel by doing it, how much we put into it, how much rotzone, how much we try to do it, how much it means to us. These are both highlighted and reflected by the first and last story in the parsha. Why? What's the connection? You think they're opposites. Right? Avram Avinu doing chesed to the Malachem and he's about to kill his son. Aren't those opposite? One's chesed, one's din. How could there be a common denominator? 
Says Rav Zevin, Avram Avinu was Machnas Archim. But we know these weren't regular Archim, these were angels. Did they really need to eat? Were they hungry and thirsty? They were hot. They forgot to take their water bottles, so they, they needed some more water, but being in the, de- in the hot desert. So what were these Malachim? What was the mitzvah? Avram did a mitzvah. Upstairs in Shemayim, Avram Avinu got schar for Gemilas Chesed. Because he gets, got schar for, for opening up his home to Archim. Did, he get, did it count as a mitzvah? Very unclear. Right? Let's, let's say if I, if, I, uh, if, I give, if I give staka to somebody who doesn't, who doesn't use it for staka, so do I get the mitzvah of staka? Okay, Hashem likes that I did it, but do I get the mitzvah of tachlis? I didn't do the mitzvah. So so to here, says, this says the, um, says of Zevin, mechanim archim gadol haya machnis archim, should be a samach, machnis archim gadol haya avraham. The Yamru said that Ibaita Eshel, he planted an Eshel tree, and the Chazal say that stands for achilash dialavia. Eating, drinking, and accompanying. Or others say it was an orchard, but it was all before the Archim. Says the Rav Zev in line 10. Everything that the Torah tells us about Avram Avinu. The Archim didn't need it. These weren't people. They washed their feet. They were dirty. He had to wash their feet. They had to cool off. There was really no action here. The action was quote unquote fake. He wasn't accomplishing anything. They weren't hungry. They weren't thirsty. So what is the first story, story's message to us? If it wasn't really a mitzvah being performed. Okay, we can learn messages about mitzvahs. But really, it was all about Avram's inner desire to do it. Because really, objectively, what did he accomplish? He didn't give people who were thirsty water. He didn't give people who were hungry food. But what he did was, he showed HaKadosh Baruch Hu how much he loves doing it. Even though... He, did he know they were Malachim or not? Okay, let's assume that he did it, even if he didn't know. But still, what this first story highlights as Rav Zevin is the inner aspect of an action separate from the act itself. Because after all, there was no real act of a mitzvah in this first story. Because they were Malachim. They were just eating because when in Rome, you know, they're like the Romans. They had to eat, Chazal say. So that's the first story. Says Rav Zevin, if we now jump to the last story, maybe we have our common denominator. If it's all about the trying, the desire, but not really accomplishing. So what was the Akedah? What was the Akedah? Did Avraham fulfill the Akedah? He fulfilled the test of the Akedah. But what about the Misa Akedah? Skipping. Line, the, the second, next paragraph. The tenth test of Avraham. There's a machlok, an argument amongst the Rishonim, what were the ten tests? But everyone agrees that the Akedah was one, the, one of them, if not the final, and highlight. Right, also the Akedah was only Ratzon. It was Avram's desire to fulfill the word of God, but not actually going through with it. Hashem stopped him. But still, the, God, the, the success of it was not judged by the act but by the desire and the commitment. And not only was it not fulfilled, but even, as he quotes the Gemara, Hashem, if we look closely at the words, never even commanded Avram to shak the son. What did he say? Bring him up! Bring him up! You'll bring him down! So he didn't even command him to do anything. So what was accomplished? Nothing was accomplished objectively, physically. But the commitment by Avram Avinu was shown to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in both the opening 
and the ending story of our parsha, we have that common denominator. Skip a few lines. Rabbi, yeah. Car- to be makriv, a carbon ola. Ola just means up. Yeah, I know. Ola is unique that all of it goes up, but you still, um, it's it's ambiguous, that's true, but God left it purposely, purposely ambiguous. Faleo shem la'ola. So Hashem says, okay, you understood it one way, but usually you go up to bring an, uh, an ola, but here you're just going to bring mala into being an ola. It's going to be as if. Olava yoreid. Olava yoreid, exactly, olava yoreid. Oh, the, the original source of an olava yoreid. So says the just finishing up now with uh, Rav Zevin. Um, let's just go to the last paragraph. This opens and closes our parsha, gives us a unit. Again, ask at the Shabbos table. What's the connection between Hachnas Azarchem and the Akeda? They'll say, oh, it's opposites. It's opposite. They're both one's about Chesed, one's about one's about uh, Din. The answer is, says Rav Zevin, there's a common denominator. In both of them, the Maisa mitzvah is not the focus. The Ratzon Lasos HaMitzvah is the focus. It's the commitment and what we show Hashem, how we do a mitzvah. And the mentality and the attitude that we have when a mitzvah comes our way, is it a burden or is it an opportunity? Is it a potential way that I could get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? That's how we have to look at all of our, all of our privilege, privilege opportunities. Not just the act itself, but trying to do the act. Sorry? How come he was makr of the aisle? Well, uh, he had a, what he brought the, the knife up there for nothing. It, right, tachas beno. Every act that he did was was bim uh, So maybe he, he maybe he was and Hashem that Hashem didn't stop him. Hashem didn't stop him. To show, to show the commitment, I'm not only into rutzon. I want to concretize it. I want to. I'm not. I don't want to focus just on the rutzon. Hey, he physically gave the malachim also. He physically, gave, he physically did something, but right in the according to this pshat, the emphasis is not the aisle. The emphasis is not. There might be other symbolism with the aisle. What does it mean? Nechaz basvach. There's other other ideas that, that we don't have time for now. Hopefully, um, at a future point. Line forty-one, finishing up. Vate harotzon bovad lo maspik. The rotson wasn't enough. Av avram hukrach la halbish harotzon bemasa. He had to clothe the rotson in an act. Lefim machshavato al kalpanim. Right, he thought he was doing hachnas azarachim. He thought he was doing the akeda. But really, it is the Misa. Again, maybe the act, you know, we don't believe in just Ratzon. You know, I could sit home and think all about how much I love mitzvahs. If I don't actually do it, so then it's not, uh, it has to be concretized in the act. But the, uh, the Ratzon itself is, is highlighted by these two stories. Okay. Next point. Let's look at the Chumash for a minute. A question that's bothered a number of the Rishonim. Something about last week's parsha and this week's parsha. If anybody needs a chumash, there are some more chumashim up here, or you could just uh, feel free to listen. Parak Yudches, Pasuk Yudbeis. First, at the beginning of this week's parsha. Parak Yudches, Pasuk Yudbeis. So we know this is the story of the Malachim. Let's start with Pasuk Tess for a minute. Vayomer Elala Yesarai Shtecha, Vayomer Hinei Ba'ohel. Where is Sarah, your wife? She's in the tenth. She was at Snu'ah. Right? She know who these three Arab strangers were. She wasn't going to go and you know, and uh, be with them, you know, be close to them. So she was in the tent. I'm going to come back next year, says one of the Malachim, your son Sarah, your, your wife Sarah is going to have a son, even though Hagar already had one. I know you want your wife to have a son, she's going to have one. And Sarah was behind. The, the narrator adds in, Avram and Sarah were uh, uh, old, they were Coming in days, they were old. 
right? And the the way of women had stopped for Sarah, right? She was uh, she was uh, she was in the menopause, and she uh, right? She there was no way naturally she was going to have a baby. Vatitzchak Sarah bekirbalemar. Sarah was tzocheket. Vatitzchak Sarah bekirbalemar. How do you translate that word? Vatitzchak. We'll see in a second. I'm so old. My husband's so old. We're never going to have a child. So what is Vatitzchak? So where do you look? Do you want to know what the translation is? Before you get to the stone Flemish, a couple thousand years before that, you look at Uncleus. Uncleus is the one that translates. What does Uncleus say on Vatitzchak? First, prosecute Bayes. V'chaychis. V'chaychis Sarah. Sarah left. Sarah, machaychis is even in a negative, like a mocking way. Meaning a negative. Vatitzchak Sarah. Sarah's like, ah, it's never going to happen. Let's turn back for a minute to the end of last week's parsha. And Chazal already pick up on this. Perak Yudzayin. which we read last week. Let's start with Pasuk Tezvav. Pasuk Tezvav. Ayomer Elohim El Abraham, Sarai Ishtachalo Tikrashma, Sarai Ki Sarashima. Sarai, your wife, I'm changing her name. Just like, you got a hay, she's getting a hay. Uvei I'm going to bless her. Vagam Nasati, Mimena Locha Bein. And I'm going to give her a son, Hashem says to Abraham. Uvei Rachtiha, Vaisala Gayim. And I will bless him, and it will be for great nations. Malchei amim imena you. Kings will come from him. So what's Avram's reaction? Avram apanav va Yitzchak. Same word. Same word. Avram falls on his face va Yitzchak. Vayomer bilibo, and he says, Ala ben me'ashana yivaleid. Will a hundred-year-old man have a have a uh, have a son? Vim a ninety-year-old woman. Come on, we're not living in the days of Mr. Shalach anymore. You know, people don't have kids when they're 500 years old. You know, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, year, years have uh, gotten shorter. What does Uncle say? Avram fell on his face. Uncle is pasuk Zion. Unafal Avram alapoi v'chadei. He was happy. He was happy. Same word, vayitzchak. And yet, Uncle you know, uh, translates vayitzchak by Avram, and he, and he was happy. He, he was wonderfully inspired and excited and ecstatic that he was going to have a child. And by Sarah, one parak later, the same verb is used, sachak, and uncle is translated so differently. And Chazal already picked up on this. You look back in Lach Lecha, on that Pasuk, in Pasuk Yuzayin, what does Rashi say? Rashi says, He quotes Unkelis. Zet Tergim Unkelis, tough, tough Aleph, Tergim Unkelis, Lashen Simcha. Here Unkelis says, it's a Lashen of happiness. V'chadi. V'shel Sarah, Lashon Machoch. And by Sarah, it's Lashon of mocking. It's laughing in a negative way. Lamadata Sha'avram Hamin Vesamach, to teach you that Avraham believed and was happy. Vesara Lo Ha'amina. And Sarah did not believe. Though I might add, she was greater in Nevuah, Chazal say, right? Whatever your wife says, listen to her. Here, she didn't believe it. Vizeo Shehikmet Akadish Barach, while Sarah looked at Avraham. That's why Hashem got upset at Sarah. And not at Avram. Here, there's no reaction by Hashem. Right? Just to continue, the Avram says to Hashem, Oh, what? you give me another son? I have Yishmael already. I can't believe it. It's amazing. And yet, after, in our parsha, right after Sarah laughs, Hashem says to Avram, What's wrong with Sarah? Why'd she laugh? Right? Back to the Vayera. What's Sarah laughing for? I said she's going to have a son. What's she mocking me for? He didn't say that by Avram. So, Unkelis already, Chazap picked up on Unkelis. But where do they know it from? What's the difference? The if you look at the same word. If you look at the Torah Shebech Sav, 
It's only one parak apart. How did Chazal know that there was a difference between the reaction of Sarah and the, the, the reaction of Avram? And why was, the, why was there a difference? And why was Sarah taken to task and Avram was not? Two ideas. Two ideas to relate to this question. One is a Meshachach. And you read a Rashi, he has to jump out at you. Why did Unklus change it? The Meshachachma, or of Meir Simcha, who again, second week in a row, we have our Meshachachma, says maybe we'll understand it if we look at a Rambam. The Rambam is source number two. The Rambam says in Uchaz Yisodi HaTorah. In the end of Uchaz Yisodi HaTorah in Paragur, the Rambam discusses the rules of a Navi MS and a Navi Sheker. How do you test a Navi if somebody comes up tomorrow, gets on the, gets on the radio and says, I'm a Navi. Hashem has told me what's going to happen. Right, the day after elections, it's no kunst to be a Navi. Right, the, uh, the, but there's, Hashem told him what's going to happen. So how do you know if, some, if a Navi is telling the truth? So the Ramam writes all the different signs he has to bring. He has to say this is going to happen and it happens. So let's say you know uh, there's a Navi. And then he says something tragic is going to happen. He says this terrible, this terrible thing is going to happen tomorrow. And it doesn't happen. So does that undermine his credibility? Does that mean he's not a Navi? That's it. Forget it. He said something tragic was going to happen and it didn't. Said the Rambam, that does not undermine his credibility. Said Tragic events that the Navi says. Kagon. He says so and so is going to die. Or this is going to be a famine year. It's going to be a war year. If his words do not come to fruition, this is not an undermining of his Nevuah. Look, you said it was going to happen. And it didn't. Why doesn't that undermine? Sha'akadish Baruchu Erachapayim Virav Chesed. Vinicham al Hashem is a Baal Rachman. Maybe Hashem decided to change the decree. Maybe he decided, you know. They don't deserve it. The Efshar Sha'asu Tshuva. Maybe Bnei Yisrael did Tshuva. Vinislach Lahem. Kanchi Ninveh. What did Yonah say? In 40 days, the Ninveh is going to be nepeches. It's going to be terrible. And what they do? Even the king of Ninveh, a bunch of non-Jews, they got together, they did shuva, boom, they weren't destroyed. I, Yonah said, Ninveh nepeches. Right? So, says uh, says the Rambam, it doesn't matter. Osha, right? Osha, tilta lahem kachizkia. Chizkia amelech also had years added on. Gemara and brachas. So that's in one direction. But, what about the other direction? If Enomi promises that something good is going to happen, so then the Rambam says, if it doesn't come true, then he's a false Navi. If Hashem said something's going to happen, even something good, maybe it might not happen. Why? Because somebody might sin. Somebody might sin, and then they'll deserve to be punished instead. They won't deserve the bracha that Hashem promised. But if, says the Rambam, Hashem tells a Navi to tell Klai Yisrael that something good is going to happen, he never retracts. If it's already told to a Navi, and the Navi tells the Bnei Yisrael, it never doesn't come true. If he promises good, and the Navi says something good is going to happen from Hashem and it doesn't come, you know he's a false prophet. Anything that Hashem decrees and he tells a Navi, so that does not go back and get changed. Says the Meshachachma now. Unbelievable. Source three. The Rambam, both in Pirish Mishnayis and in Mishnah Torah, he set down the rule for us. Something said directly from God, 
It can change based on the change in the makablim, meaning that's us, that's people. If the person doesn't deserve it anymore, then they're not going to get the bracha. That's why the Gemara tells us that many of the great personalities in Tanakh were worried. We're worried. Hashem promised, but maybe it's not going to occur. Maybe I sinned and I'm not going to get it. What do you mean? Hashem promised you already. The answer is no. Even if Hashem promises something to you, you might not get it. If we don't deserve it anymore. But something that Hashem says to a Navi that's going to happen for the good, it can never change. So now let's think. Hashem comes to Avram Avinu. Hashem comes to Avram Avinu and says, you're going to have a son. And what was his reaction? Tzachak. Sarah. What happened with Sarah? Sarah hears it from a messenger. Sarah didn't hear it directly from God. Sarah heard it from a messenger. From God. It says the Meshachach, when you hear from a messenger from God, it's for sure going to happen. If you hear it straight from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, okay, you have Sveikas. Maybe Shem Yigram Hachet. Avram's not taken to task for his reaction of Tzachach because he heard it from Hashem. He, he didn't know. He's not going with Uncleus, but let's continue. Lazos, Kasher Amr, Hashem Avram, when Hashem said to Avram, be Yitzchak, be Libo, and he laughed in his heart, Hala Ben Meashana, Yivaleid. Right? Will a hundred year old man give birth? Avram's not, Hashem's not upset at him, because what are the rules? The rules are, maybe, maybe it won't happen. Even if Hashem says it, if he didn't say it to a Navi, it might not happen. Avos Sarah, Acharisha Shama Kfarmi Pi Avraham. But Sarah already heard from Avram, Ashihu Etzla, Hukeilu Shama Mipi Hanavi. Sarah didn't hear it directly from Hashem. She heard it through a messenger, through Avraham, through the Malachim, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Then what's the rule? Is Vada going to come true? If it's Vada going to come true, what are you laughing for? What are you being so chayk for? So Hashem got upset. Obviously, she knew the rules of the Rambam. That's the assumption of this. Uh, of this. Obviously, the, Rambam, the rules were beforehand. She never calls that Yachad Vatitzchak. And that's why it says, Lama Zetzachach HaSarah. Why? Talo Nomar, Mipi Navi Latova, Lo Yuchashub, Lehishtanos Od. You can't change. Vehave. He ends off and understand this. So again, so what's the difference between Sarah and Avraham? Says the Meshachachma, both of them might have done the same thing. Not like Uncleus. Maybe they did the same thing. We know why Chaz, Hashem gets upset at the, uh, uh, Sarah and not Avraham? Because Avraham heard it straight from Hashem. And ironically, if you hear it straight from HaGadosh Baruch Hu, Yachol it might change. Masha'enkin, if you heard it through a Navi, then it will not change. That's one idea. How do we know? So he assumes that, but I, I would say maybe you could say she, she heard it from the Malach. The Malach is also. It's not a Kaddish Baruch Hu. What, a Malach is closer to a Navi? It's, it's a messenger of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's a messenger of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Okay. A second idea, though, to answer, and this I heard a long time ago, again, on one of the Rabbi Isaac Bernstein tapes, in the name of the wife of Rabbi Arya Levine. That's who he quoted this thought from. In the name of the wife of Rabbi Levine, um, and we're in Eretz Yisrael, so it's his, uh, his territory. So Eishas Rabbi Levine says, you know what, let's look in the Haftorah for a minute. Maybe in the Haftorah we could glean an answer to, uh, to help us here. The story of the Haftorah is the story of the Isha Hashunamit. Right? I gave you in source number four the second half of the Haftorah. The second half of the Haftorah. If you remember, the Isha Hashunamit didn't have any money and she was very poor. And, and uh, Elisha says, you know what, I'm going to help you out. Take out any cup that you have, any bowl that you have. She takes out some cups. Just pouring the oil and it doesn't stop and it keeps going. All the neighbors, bring your cups, bring your pails. They, bring, they have tons of oil. Okay, stop. Okay, plenty of oil. She says, I don't have a child. I don't have a child. So Alicia, as we know, finally gives her a child. And one day the boy is hot out in the field and he starts getting sunstroke. And 
He comes back to the house and he dies. And the boy dies. And the Isha Shunami now thinks, this is, this is my this is my Akaris Atov for always putting Elisha up in my house. So, Vatachavosh HaAton, source four, she saddles her donkey, Vatomer Lanara Nahag Valech. She tells her saddle driver, go. Don't stop until I tell you. Go straight to the Isha Lokim. They come to Elisha. When the Isha Lokim sees her, Hey, the Isha Shunamim is coming to visit me. Go run, bring her. Go ask her, how's she doing? How's her husband doing? How's her son doing? And she said, Shalom. Gechazi asked. She says, Shalom. Everything's okay. She came to the sea, the Ishal Kim, to Elisha. She starts grabbing Elisha by his legs. Gechazi starts pushing her away. No, no, leave her alone. I can see she's very distressed. I can see she's upset. Hashem has hidden it from me. This is Elisha we're talking about. The Talmud of Eliyahu Navi. He didn't know what was going on. Hashem, he said, Hashem must have hidden from me. He didn't tell me. And she said, Did I ask for a son from my master like this? She, she, she just said, Is this what I asked for? She says, He says, Let's go. So they go back to the house and she, he sees the sees the nar on the bed and what happens they go together and he sees the nar lying on the bed he closes the door he davins right, the first mouth to mouth recorded in Tanakh he puts his mouth on his mouth his eyes on his eyes my father writes about this what exactly the eyes and the hands and one of his articles about the uh, medicine in the Bible and the Talmud was: that, Is there anything extra besides the mouth? What about the eyes? Is it the specific position of CPR that that is is, is recommended medically? Right, the the of the Yelad becomes warm, and he gets up. He bangs on the nar. The nar. He opens his eyes, and the child is brought back to life. Ask the wife of Rabbi Levine. When they first went, when they first, she first went to Elisha. And Elisha says, or Gehazi says, what's, what's, what's going on? Are they okay? She says, Shalom. She doesn't say anything is wrong. Why not? Why didn't she say, my son is dead. I need you. Come right away. She just said, Shalom. Says the wife of Rai Levine, you know why she didn't say anything? Because when you're davening for a nace, when one is davening for a nace, one shouldn't verbalize the reality that is right now that one wants to change. Maybe that reflects acceptance of the situation. And you don't want to verbalize it because once you verbalize it, that's it. It's finished. So that's why she said, Shalom, what's going on? She said, I need you. I need you. Says the wife of Rai Lavid, she didn't want to verbalize it. She wanted it to change. Might be amazing the, the, the idea of you know, even Alti Sahara, sometimes people don't like to say, you know, negative situations, Beferish. He needs a Yeshua. She needs a Rafua. You don't like to say the words. Some Rahman al-Sun has a machla. You don't like to say it. Because you're hoping for Yeshua's Finachamos. 
once we say it, that, that concretizes it a little more. That, that gives it a little crystallization. So we'd rather, you know, emotionally and even just, it comes from here. Don't say it. We don't want to actually, we don't want it to be reality. It says the wife of Levine. Go back to Lech Lecha. What does it say by, by Avram Avinu? Avram falls on his face. And he's Tzochek. Vayomer Belibo. He says in his heart. It's all in his heart. It's all in his heart. Nothing's verbalized. By Sarah, there's an extra word. Bikirba, Bilibo means you didn't say anything. That's Lee. Bikirba, but Lamar, Lamar, the ages of Rai Levine assumes is, Lamar always means. It says Lamar a hundred times in the Torah. Lamar means it was it was verbalized. It was said. So why do we need What? What is Bikirba? Maybe it started off as Bikirba, but it became a Lamar. So Bikirba, so it says that the ages of the wife of Rai Levine, that's why Hashem got upset. Because she verbalized it. And she said, Avram Avinu said, Bilibo. But Ashes, Rabbi Levine, that's the difference between Sarah and for Avram. Anybody have any questions on this? There's one one question, though, that needs to be. Yeah. So he says it. Bilibo. Period. He never said it. Right. It's in his heart, but there's nothing wrong. Hashem could do, still do the nace. Because he didn't verbalize it. Right, he said, no, you gave me a shmal, this is such a great thing you're giving me. Right, halavai, even Yishmal I would have been happy with. But here, it's Lamar. There's one problem though, just the punchline. So she verbalized it, so, so what should be the problem? It shouldn't occur, it shouldn't happen, she blew it. She verbalized it. That's why in the next Pasuk, Hashem has to promise it again. If you look at the next Pasuk, after Shani, not after Shani, in the beginning of Ayera, why did she say that? Is something hidden from Hashem? He promises it again. Why does he have to promise it again? He said that already. No, because now she she ruined it. She verbalized it. She verbalized the reality, so Hashem had to re-promise it. That's the difference between and Avram Bikir Belibo. That's Meshachachma and the wife of Rabbi Levine. Explains why in the next pasuk she denies it. Right. Where in the in the which one? Pasuk 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 Tazvav. Takaisar leimar lo zachati. Right. She she's a, she's a, she didn't mean it. Vayama loki zachah. You did. You didn't. Right. I mean this is this is uh this is uh right. She she did. What did I do different than Avraham? No, you said it. Okay. That's a deeper connection also between the Torah and the half Torah of the parsha. Okay, next thoughts. Talk a little bit about three words in Avraham's bargaining with for stone. Again, there's a lot to say about this. Avraham's bargaining, many Midrashim contrasted to the lack of bargaining by Noah for his generation. Avraham bargaining, even though this were uh, this was a city of Rishayim, he wanted to save the city of Rishayim. Hopefully at some point in the future, we'll do the Nitziv on that. But in the bargaining... Avram says if there are 50 people left, if there are 40 people left, 30 people, 20 people. So in the bargaining, Avram says, in Perak Yudches, Pasik Chavzayin, after Avram gets it down from 50, if there are 50 left, then I won't destroy the city. Avram says, 
Hashem, I'm really a nothing. I'm really a nothing, but I have to keep going. Maybe there'll be 40. Maybe there'll be 30. What's the idea of afar va'efer? I am like dirt and like ashes. Why give, it, why give that, that symbolism? Ashes and dirt. It says the Beis HaLevi. Let's ask it as a question first, and then we'll read the words of the Beis HaLevi on the top of the page, page 5. There's a Gemara in Meseches Chulin. Sorry? Potential. Oh, we'll get to that. Well, one will be potential. Um, the Beis HaLevi also points out that there's a Gemara in Meseches Chulin, on Daf Peiches, which says that Bishus Avram Avinu said, I am Afar Ba'efer, I am dirt and ashes. He was Zoha to the Afar of the Mesota, the dirt from the, the floor of the Beis HaMikdash that was put into the waters of that is, uh, an Isha Sota drinks in order to prove her innocence so that she could go back to live with her husband. So Bishus, the Afar, he said, I'm like dirt, he was Zoha to that Afar. And Bishus, the Afar, I'm like ashes, he was Zoha to the Afar of the Paraduma. The Paraduma was burned and the ashes were with, also with water sprinkled on the on, the, on somebody who was Tame Mace. So Bishus, he said, Afar Afar, he was Zoha to these missus of Afar Afar. Mahakesher between saying I'm dirt and the waters of the Mesota and the, and the Afar of the Paraduma says the Beis HaLevi. Vanochi Afar Afar. On top. Hishbel Atzmo Bishnek Savot. Avram Avinu picked two opposites here. Here there are opposites. Da Afar Me'olam Lohayabot Surah Hashuva. Rak Yachol Akabot Surah Hashuva. Dirt has no past. No past. It's never been used for anything. It's just dirt. But it has a future. It has a lot of potential in it. Why? You can plant in it. You can take the dirt and make, a, make pottery out of it. Earthenware. Dirt has no past, but it has a future. A fair ashes is just the opposite. Ashes was something. What you could use ashes with. For nothing, you can't grow anything in ashes. Ashes are just ashes; they're finished. They have no future. They have a past. They have no future. The eno barkibo, you can't knead it with something. We got eno megalotzmachem. You can't grow anything with it. So that's what Avram Avinu says. Avram, I was never anything. I'm like dirt. Anochi afar, I have no past. I've never done anything in my life. Says Avram Avinu in humility. and who knows? I probably won't do anything either. I have no past, I have no future. The ultimate in humility. I have no past, I have no future. And now we understand the schar, the reward of Avram Avinu. Why? The ashes of the paraduma, the ashes that have no future, make somebody tahor. They're tummy mace, they can't walk into the base of Migdash, they can't eat truma, they can't eat karbanas. It gives them a future. The ashes of the paraduma gives a tummy person a future. And what about the offer of the mesota, the dirt in the mesota? When a woman drinks, her past is cleared up, she's proven innocent, and therefore she and her husband could have a wonderful life back together. So, I'm like, Afar, I have no past. You're going to get the Afar of the Mesota. Afar, I have no future. You're going to get the Afar of the Paraduma, which gives future to, to a Tamei Mace, to somebody in Klal Yisrael who needs it. Afar of Afar. Okay. 
Next, let's talk a little bit about the first Rashi in the Parsha. Going a little backwards. First Rashi in the Parsha. Hashem appears to Hashem in Elonei Mamre, in uh, the plains of Mamre, and he's sitting in the heat. Second Rashi on the Parsha, sorry. What's Elonei Mamre? Why is this? Why is Mamre Zoha to have his name in the Torah here? Says Rashi, Who lo al Hamila? Mamre is the one that gave him the advice about doing Brismila. That's why Hashem appears to Avram in Mamre's Chelek. Mamre gave him the Eitzah. Mamre was the one that convinced Avram to do Brismila. Hashem needed Mamre's help. I mean, Avram needed Mamre's help. He wasn't sure whether to do Brismila or not, so he went to Mamre to ask. Think it's a good idea? What's Rashi talking about? What, Avram didn't, wouldn't do it himself? So obviously there's a measure here. But what's happening here? Says the so the Sifsa Chachamim asks in source number six. Ech kash ach kashel. Let's just read this question. Hey, chitochein lomar. Dehavim Ravinu yitol eitza in lekayim mrs. Baromav. He asked Mamre, the non-Jewish neighbor, you know, if he should do bris mila. Vahot sadek gadol. It's a little cut off. He, he passed. He already went through went through so many of his tests. He had asked Mamre. What do you think? Should I listen to God this time. What's 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 going on here? So if you want to see the medrash in full, I gave it to you in source number seven. Hashem gives schar, reward to every single person. Avram Avinu had three good friends. Honor, Eshkol, Mamre. Right? The three musketeers. Once Hashem told Avram Avinu to do brismila, he went to ask them their advice. Unbelievable. Avram's going to ask advice from Oner Eshkol Mamre whether to do bris milah. So what they say? Holach Eitzel Oner. Oner, what do you think? Amr Kachma Kachma Amr Le'Gadosh Baruch Hashem told me to do bris milah. Good idea? Amr Le'Oner. Balmum Rotzah Atola Soscha. You want to make yourself a Balmum? You want to give yourself a blemish? She Krovein Shalom Alachim Shaharakta Ba'in. You know those five kings from last week's parsha? They're going to hear that you're sick in bed. Guess what's going to happen? News travels quickly, Abraham. You better better be careful. They'll kill you. You won't be able to run. So, on air was a no. Let's keep track of the score. 1-0. So he went to Eshkol. Hashem told me to do this. What do you think? It's too dangerous. Avram, you're not a young man anymore. Right? Uh, you're a little coming on in years. I don't think it's a good idea. Two nothing. Right? Two friends, no. He goes to Mamre. First of all, why do you go to Mamre? They were, he, was, he, was only, he was only going to be a minority anyway. Right? He was, maybe he was going to get a seat. What do you think? So Mamre comes through in the clutch. You're asking me advice? Hashem save you from the furnace. He did so many miracles for you. Without Hashem's koach, you'd be dead a long time ago, Abraham, without God. He saved all of your limbs. 
He saved your life a hundred times already. He wants you to give a little piece of flesh? Do it. Mamre, you gave that advice. Vayera, I love Hashem. Mamre. So the whole Medrash asks Darshan Darshani, what was Avram doing? What do you have to go ask advice for? And if he was really asking, why didn't he listen to them? If he really was asking, it was two against one. Why didn't he listen to Mamre? He didn't listen to Honor or Eshkol. So I heard once from a Raphaim Waxman that out of all the mitzvahs that we have, out of all the mitzvahs I say, especially that we have, maybe the one that we have been most scorned about throughout history, the most made fun of, the most compared to, to animals, the most demoralizing mitzvah that they have attacked us upon is the mitzvah of Brismila. It's one of the ones that we had to be most or nefesh the most for. It's the one that in any society people will look at as what a barbaric thing to do to an eight-year-old boy, eight-day-old boy. How do you do such a thing? And even today there are articles written, circumcision, those Jews, throughout the generations, they've attacked us, they've scorned us about it, and this is what we've had to overcome throughout the generations. Says the Gemara in Shabbos, Source 7a, Tanya, Shimon Elazar Omer, any mitzvah that Ben Israel had to be Moser Nefesh on at times of decree, Kigon, Avodas Kochavim Umila, belief in God and Mila. Any mitzvah that we've been Moser Nefesh on, and these are two of the great examples, says the Gemara, those are still strong in their faith. Uh, and any mitzvah they haven't most nefesh for, it's rofefes biadam. It's weak. Okay, it gives examples of that too in the Gemara. Mila is something that we have to have been most nefesh for because there's been a lot of challenges to bris mila. You know, other mitzvahs you could do. It's private. You know, it doesn't take. There's not so much risk involved. But bris mila, there's been a lot of risk. There's an unbelievable story that uh, Dr. Eliach quotes in. Um, Hasidic Tales of the Holocaust, which I gave you in source number eight, quotes from the uh, the Blush of a Rav. Not going to read the whole story, but uh, again, just pick out pieces of it. Third paragraph. One morning in Janowska, I was standing and sewing wood with another Kitsenik. To humiliate us as much as possible, I was given a partner who was a very short man. As you see, thank God I am not among the short ones. It made the wood sewing both a difficult task and a laughable sight. Very tall person, very short person, trying to saw. With each pull of the saw, my partner would stretch out and stand on the tips of his toes, and I would bend down till my aching, swollen feet were bleeding. And the Germans stood by and watched our misery and suffering with delight. One morning on Hoshana Rabbah, as we were sewing, the wind carried in our direction piercing, tormented cries I had, as I had never seen before, even in the Janowska hell. The desperate clamor was coming closer and closer, as if weeping was filling the entire universe. It's a children's acting and little angels from the entire vicinity, etc., Next paragraph. Suddenly, just next to us, I heard the voice of a woman. Jews, have mercy upon me and give me a knife. In front of us was standing a woman, pale as a sheet. Only her eyes were burning with, str- with a strange fire. I thought she wanted to commit suicide. I looked around, and since I saw no Germans inside, I said to her, Why are you in such a rush to get to the world of truth? We will get there sooner or later. What difference can one day make? By the way, this is a story that's appropriate a week after set the 70th anniversary the 70th anniversary of Kristallnacht which was just last week my father was on the kinder transport he uh, in Berlin 
Dog, what did you say to the woman? A tall young German who appeared from nowhere demanded an answer while swigging his rubber truncheon above my head. The woman asked for a knife. I explained to her that we Jews are not permitted to take our lives, for our lives are entrusted in the hands of God. I hastily added, and I hope that you too will spare our lives. The German did not respond to my words. He turned to the woman and demanded an explanation for her. She answered curtly, I asked for a knife. As she was talking, she kept examining the German with her feverish eyes. Suddenly, her eyes stopped wandering. Her gaze was fixed on the top pocket of the German's uniform. The shape of a knife was clearly visible through the pocket. Give me the pocket knife, she ordered the German in a commanding voice. The German, taken by surprise, handed the knife to the woman. She bent down and picked something up. Only then did I notice a bundle of rags on the ground near the sawdust. She unwrapped the bundle. Amidst the rags on a snow-white pillow was a newborn babe asleep. With a steady hand, she opened the pocket knife and circumcised the baby. In a clear, intense voice, she recited the bracha, bracha to Hashem l'kinem l'chalam, asher kedushanu b'tosav v'sivanu alhamila. She straightened her back, looked up to the heavens and said, God of the universe, you have given me a healthy child. I am returning to you a wholesome, kosher Jew. She walked over to the German, gave him black, his blood-stained knife, and handed him her baby on his snow-white pillow. Amidst a veil of tears, I said to myself that this mother's circumcision will probably shake the foundations of heaven and earth. Next to Abraham on Mount Moriah, where could you find a greater act of faith than this Jewish mother's? The rabbi looked at his student with tear-filled eyes and said, Since liberation, each time I'm honored at a bris to be the sandik, it is my custom to tell this particular story. Maybe out of more than any of the other mitzvahs, brismila we are scorned about. Brismila is difficult. Brismila is a mitzvah that we find have trouble fulfilling throughout the generations. Says a Ephraim Waxman, you know what Avram Avinu was doing? He wasn't going to ask them advice. He was going to be scorned. He was going to be mocked. And he was implanting in the genetic makeup of every Jew the ability to overcome the scorn, to overcome the mocking, doing the bris milah anyway, even though everybody tells me not to do the bris. That's what he was doing. He wanted to get it because every test that Avram Avinu went through allowed us to pass those tests throughout history. He went to honor an Eshkol because he wanted the bizyonos. He wanted them to say things that, oh, it's impossible, it's dangerous, so that he would then be able to do the bris. Afal pikain. So he would set the path for every Jew, for every stage in history, to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of bris yeah. He did it in the middle of the day. He did it in the middle of the day. I don't, I don't care what you say. Exactly. Beautiful. Rashi says, he did it in the middle of the day. He was, ta- he was kind of taunting them. You want to come stop me? You try and do it. I'm not going to do it you know, right in the morning. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. Two more ideas. One from the Maral Diskin. Maral Diskin, also known as the Briskarab, even though... There are a couple of people known as the Briskarov. The Grizz was known as the Briskarov. The Maral Diskin was also sometimes known as the Briskarov. Quote a Medrash. Maybe you could call it a Medrash plea like we had last week. Medrash says, I have to say something about the Akedah. So says the uh, Pasuk by the Akedah. All right, I can read it just in the bold print in source number nine. Avram Avinu chopped up wood and by he got up and he started going on the Akedah. Isa be Medrash Rava. The Medrash says, Bishus Avraham Avinu chopped the wood for the Akedah, for the word by right by Ivaka. So too I am going to be bokeya. I'm going to split cut the sea for them. 
Kriyas Yamsuf. Right? Avram chopped the wood, so too I'm going to chop the seed. And the question is, Mahakesha, what's the Midah Kenegad Midah? What does Kriyas Yamsuf have to do with chopping the wood? Not even the Akedah. What about chopping the wood? Venera line 6. Amazing question. We can read the Akedah a hundred times and not ask this question. Venera the Kavanah Samejish Bazet. What's the Kavanah of the Mejish to the Ishladayik? Lama Bakasa Eitzim Babayis Falosham Bahara Maria. What does the Torah describe? He describes, he chops up wood, he puts it on his back, and he starts going. Why do you schlep wood? You didn't think there were going to be any trees on, on the mountain where Hashem is telling him to go? There were plenty of trees. There were no buildings. There was no you know, ecological problem in those days. The whole world was full of trees. So why do you schlep wood from home? Just get it there. Get it there. Okay, food, you can take along. But why did he schlep the wood? He chopped the trees and he took it and he went. What a schlep. For three days he's carrying wood. Just cut the wood wherever Hashem tells him. He didn't know where he was going. Right? I'll tell you where to go. So, he could have gotten wood wherever that would have been. There were bushes there. That's good kindling. Right? Nechaz basvach. So why didn't he chop the why didn't he chop the wood there? Says the Maral Diskin. Maral Diskin always has very sharp comments. Ela Yishlamar line eight. Takiva da Avramavino Lavashalmo Lokakimo Selahakriv Karbon. He didn't take a sheep along. Kiim Yitzchak Beno Yela Ola. Right, Avram went with Yitzchak. Im Kain. So what did Yitzchak think? Like most Midrashim say, many Midrashim say. Actually, I'll say it's fifty fifty. Many Midrashim say that Yitzchak didn't know yet. Some Midrashim say he knew. Rashi is a big believer of the Midrashim that he knew. Even though he, even though, even though he knew he was going to be killed, but who knows if Yitzchak knew for sure? What would happen if Avram got to the Akeda, got to Har Moria, and all of a sudden he says, "Okay, Yitzchak, it's time." Yitzchak's like, "What are you talking about? Where's the sheep?" So Avram's like, "No, you're the sheep." So Yitzchak's like, "Okay." Um, so what would Avram have to do then? Then he'd have to go chop wood. It takes a while to chop down wood. It says in my diskin, that's what we call Inui Hadin. Halachim Sechas Sanhedrin. You're prolonging, prolonging the punishment, the agony, the worry. He's going to have to chop wood once he gets up there? No! It says in my diskin, that's why Avram Avinu Dafka did it this way. Because what could he do? He could get up to the top of the mountain. Okay, help me, help me set up the Mizbeach, son. Set them in the Mizbeach, and then he'll say, um, you're the Ola. There's no waiting. There's no Inui. There's no delay. Line 10. Then already he's going to know that he's an Ola. Then he'll have to be Ma'anadadid. That would be very painful for Yitzchak to have to wait there while he's chopping wood knowing that he's going to be killed. Avramavinu knew beforehand he was Rosanola and he took the wood with him. So Kodesh Baruch who comes along and says, I'm going to pay him back. Says the Maral Diskin. Okay, Split the sea that one time. You know what Hashem could have done? He could have just, as B'nai Yisrael walked, he could have like made it dry. But if we water all around them, there's water in front of them. What do you have to split? They can see the other side already. What do you have to do that for? No, just be mocked in the nace. I never like to do big nace. Do a little nace. Where they're walking. Well, they're walking. The water will be all around them. It'll be okay. You know what the problem is? They would be very worried. They'd be scared. What's going to happen? Is that going to be dry when I get there? And I put my next foot down? 
they're going to be very worried. They're not going to know what's going on. So Kaddish Baruch Hu says, Avram Avinu wasn't Ma'an of the Din, didn't put Yitzchak in a worried state. So I'm not going to put Klal Yisrael in a worried state. I'm going to do it for them right away. And that's what the, it says. Put, stretch out your hand to the sea and split it. Split it at once. At the Maral Diskin on the Medrash, the connection between Vayivaka Atzei Ola and, and the Kriyas Yamsuf. One more idea for tonight. Then we'll... Uh, have to have to break. Well, we could go on. Obviously, these parshas are chock full. Every every phrase, story also that we didn't focus on. Avram Avinu goes down to Mitzrayim. Avram Avinu goes down to uh, the Pesukim. Say, if you look in Perek Chaf, Perek Chaf, Pasuk. Where are we? Avram goes to the Negev. I'm sorry, not Misraim, Grar. Right? Last part she went to Misraim, now he goes to Grar. She lives in Grar, and again, the charade that we discussed a little bit last week. Achosihi, she's my sister. And Avimelech uh, says, okay, and he takes Sarah, and we know the story. But there's one word that we're going to focus on in Pasuk. Um, Hashem tells Av- Avimelech, return the married woman, because if not, you're going to die. Pasuk Ches. Vayashkim Avad Melech Baboker. Melech gets up in the morning. Vayikral Achol Avadav. He calls all of his servants. Vayidaber as called the Varim Ha'elav Aznehem. He says all these words in their ears. Vayiruhu Anashim Ma'od. They were very scared. Any word in that pasuk bother you? Unneeded. The Aznehem. He says it in their ears. Where else do you say it? But Aznehem. He has to say it. Vayidaber is called the Varim Ha'elav. What do you mean, Ba'aznehem, in their ears? What's in their ears? What is that telling us? So in source number 10 now, the final source for tonight, in front of you, the Sefer Yam Simcha. Yam Simcha is a Rabbi Yisrael Freed. He's been sitting in Lakewood for a long time. He's a brother of a former Balabas of mine. It's a beautiful Sefer. So I don't know how many people have it out there, but I got a copy because his brother lives in Woodmere. So says the, uh, says the Yam Simcha. Lechora, line five, Tevas Ba'aznei Yutar. What's the word in their ears? That's extra. What is that teaching me? The Yishlomar, Davik Ipshutav Lavim Yutar. No, there's, an, there's a deeper meaning. There's two Pshatim he's going to give. We're just going to do the first one. Do the second one at home. Apidivrei Ha'arachayim HaKadosh. He says, maybe it's the same idea that the Arachayim HaKadosh says in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash. Shehiksha Maza Vayigash. He asked, what do you mean Yehuda came close to Yosef? Vayigash. Achish Hayakarvelov. He was just talking to him at the best temp sukkim at the end of Parshas Miketz. What do you mean by Yigash? He came close. And also, what does it say? What does Yehuda say? Yidaber no'avdecha ba'oznei adoni. Let me talk to your ears. Same word. Ba'oznei adoni. What is that adding? Umefarsh v'zel ha'shoni. Quotes the Arachayim HaKadr. Source 16. Line 16. Kidaber yadua who it's known. Kiminag ha'malachim yeshvul lefem gedolei ha'malachos v'zarim v'yotzeyem. How did a king sit? A king sat on a throne and there were first advisors in front of him and second advisors in the outer circle and whoever would come would talk you know the king's all the way up there and he's here and he has to like kind of speak loudly to the to the king very impersonal very uh, not one-on-one line 18 somebody comes in front of a king right? it'll be outside the circle and that's what Yehuda was doing originally 
But Viacharkach, line 22, Vayigashelov. What does it mean, Vayigashelov? He said, no, let me in. Let me inside. He went inside the circle and he and Yosef were face to face. I only want the king to hear. I want the king's ears to hear. I want to go directly. Why? That's the Arachayim. That's Ba'aznei. Personal. Dafka the ears to hear. Why? So now the Yam Simcha talks. Line 7. Why did I use you to do this? Based on the principle that a heartfelt plea goes in to the heart as well. When somebody sees that somebody is really serious and and pleading for something, as the Chazal say, something that's really true and heartfelt, it'll make an impression. So line eleven. He was talking to Benjamin through the through the interpreters, through the through everyone else there. And it was hard for him to realize why wasn't Yosef being Mavata already? Why wasn't Yosef letting go? So he thought to himself, it must not be personal. I must not be getting through. Let me go speak to him face to face. Let me go speak to him so he could hear me. I can speak it to his ears, and that way I'll be I'll be successful. Line nineteen. And that's why he wants to speak to Yosef. If he hears me face to face, so then maybe it'll get in and it'll get across. So suggest the Yam Simcha. So maybe here too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Avi Melech, you better return Sarah, this beautiful woman, or else, most tamus. So line 25, Avi Melech was scared. What does it say? Call all of his servants. Why do you call every one of his servants? Just tell a few and put the word out. No. You could have a king, but if the country isn't behind him in terms of letting some people go free, especially a beautiful woman like Sarah, he thought, if he doesn't have that face-to-face conversation with them, that personal element would be lost and they wouldn't have the Dvaram Hayotzim in Halev Nechnasim Halev. See, he wanted to tell them personally. Skip a few lines, line 31. And that's what's Ba'aznehem. Just like Ba'aznei by Yosef, Ba'aznehem here. Because when we want to have a personal, have an effect on something, have influence, it's got to be face to face. It's got to be personal. It's got to be Dvarim Yosef Halev. Email's not good enough. There's no Dvarim Hayotzim Min Halev on an email. A phone call is a certain level. Face-to-face is the highest level. That's the Dvaram HaYosem HaLev, when we, when we can see each other's fa- facial expressions, when we could, you know, sometimes we say, I don't want to do it over the phone because like, we think we want to see how the person reacts. We want to see how, how it goes. I'll know more how to guide the conversation, you know, based on what they, their body language. You know, that personal element, Dvaram HaYosem HaLev, Dvaram HaLev. That's Ba'aznehem, uh, that's Abimelech, and that's what, that's what we learned from the Arachayim HaKadosh and the Yam Simcha by, by Yosef and by Yehuda. So again, we should have as many face-to-face conversations with those that we want to be mashpion. And with Hashem, we should uh, be able to discuss a lot more of Harshiyas.